This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 529 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Monday, March 5th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by my co-hosts, Justin Mason and Jason Collette. What up, guys? It's up, man. It is, uh, we were talking off air, just kind of bummed for those who didn't see news over the weekend. Uh, Steve Moyer passed away unexpectedly. Uh, that's a name you should recognize if you've been doing fantasy baseball for any length of time. One of the original dudes uh, from, one of the original Tout Wars guys uh, was part of the fantasy baseball guy, did labor. It was always was a, cool a guest dude on this show with. about a month ago, too. Yeah, we, yeah, I totally forgot about it. We did that when we talked about uh, uh, the tech. Yacker the tech, yeah. Yacker tech, yeah, that dude. So, yeah, we got that news over the weekend. And I woke up to that yesterday morning. I was like, damn, because that's he was always a cool dude to talk with because he knew his music, and I always appreciated his his old school approach to baseball and how he used to throw out everybody at an auction and say, everybody's sabermetric darling was always his favorite thing to say. And he would say it like 10 times in a row about a guy. He, uh, I remember one year he drafted Billy Burns was the first guy. I think he had the second toss of the draft because he was sitting next to the defending champ. And he's like, Billy Burns, $1. And everybody's like, who? And Ooh, he looked Billy up and like, Burr. oh, hey, look at all these stolen bases. And he sat on them all year, too. Um, but it was always, you know, he was a cool guy to make a trade with because he didn't come at you with, hey, I'll give you Billy Burns for Steven Strasburg. You know, it was, it was like, hey, you need this. I need this. How about this for this? Nah, okay, he was, cool. He was he good always people, for sure. Yeah. Steve, he was, Steve good was good people and big in the industry. Uh, and, and even if you didn't know who he was or um, – you know, kind of know of him specifically. You were impacted by him because he's really big over at Baseball Info Solutions, and you know he was on the cutting edge of a lot of stuff when it comes to like statistics and stuff in terms of, you know, implementing it and and trying to collect certain bits of data. So, you know, it's it, it's a brutal it's a brutal loss. It really sucks to just have that happen. Fifty seven years old, far too young. Really good guy. So uh, rest in peace, Steve Moyer. Good guy. Charlotte is apparently having trouble with it too, as she hacks in the background but um yeah it, it's it won't be the same in arizona he was a staple out there as well i remember uh derek cardi and i went out with him and doug dennis um to scottsdale and they were just our our, our, our two old gay dads and, uh, <laughs> you know that, don't say that to denigrate anything uh about gay people or anything it was it was just the thing where because that, that's, that's what it looked that's like your that's, age, that's, yeah, that's your age difference i mean those guys are pushing that, 60 and you guys are barely what, 30 
<laughs> yeah, so that's what it looked like, and that's why it was like, yeah, and they thought it was hilarious. You know, they weren't like, oh, no, we're not that. And they were just like, oh, yeah, that's that. And so, you know, we were hanging out. It was Halloween. It was a good time. And they're just fun guys to hang out with. They certainly didn't act like, uh, you know, like out of touch old dudes that you might expect because they, they they definitely weren't. Doug's hilarious. Uh, and Steve was, too. They were just really funny dudes. Uh, it's just a bummer to lose Steve. So um, big loss for everybody. Go read Rock Remnants. Go go read on Lars, uh, Lars page. He wrote he wrote him up. Justin, you told us about the news. And I know that that. That was uh, unfortunate to have to deliver. Yeah, it was just very, very sad. Uh, talked with Lore and Steve Gardner about him on the Tout Wars Hour uh, on Sunday. I think you can go get that on iTunes, too. And uh, and Lore, Lore tweeted out a link at Lore Michaels uh, to that as well. As well, as like you said, uh, Lore wrote up an obituary for him over at the Rock and Roll uh, blog that he and Peter Kreutzer and Steve all, all did together. So And Gene McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So it just, it's... Yeah. It's just really sad to lose a member of the community. Always. You know, it just, it always is. And I know it's part of it. It's, it's, you know, you get in a community and you get embedded in one, it's going to happen. And it's just never not awful. It's just never not jarring and, and, uh, and tough to deal with. So, I a moment of silence for first, Steve. And then, am I overlooking somebody or is this the first one or is this the first person who's passed? That I can, as far as like that I can remember, as far as being at like uh, big time in Tau Wars and big time at uh, the Fall League, definitely the first for me. David Um, Kerr passed away uh, suddenly in September or October. He was a writer at Fantasy Alarm. A younger guy though. He I think he was in his early. I think he's like my age, early thirties. Got uh, got diagnosed with either kidney or liver cancer and passed very, very quickly. Very uh, quickly. Uh, but other than that, right. I mean, uh, I do remember it, that name. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, just, it's just a really sad thing cause he had two young kids as well. But other than that, uh, you know, we almost lost, uh, Steve Gardner last year. I mean, Steve had, a, Steve had a yeah, heart attack. Yeah, um, and, uh, we're thankful that, uh, that he wasn't taken from us, uh, at way too young of an age, but we're, we're starting to get to that point where, I think you, you know fantasy's been around long enough. We're going to start to see these things. That's, and that's the thing. Yeah, the, the, and, the and I know you, is... I'm not even trying to joke, but see, you know, Steve having a heart attack. That's what happens when you're a Redskins fan. It's <laughs> you know you watch you watch you know, that crap ass football, and it eventually gets to you. <laughs> Took my dad down. You know, thank Here's God Steve survived. But man, I hear people say you know something about what somebody would have wanted when they passed, and if I don't know that person, sometimes I might be like, oh, I don't, you know. I don't know about that. I can honestly say, having known Steve, that he would want he would not want us to be sulking. He would want us to be cracking wise about about things and and absolutely keep it move. You know, he's definitely not the type of guy who would want to have this long drawn out mourning uh, or anything like that. Honor his memory, but certainly uh, he he's definitely somebody that always encouraged positivity. In a hilariously caustic way. That's what that's what was the best part about Steve. Can we play five thousand candles in the wind? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right, Justin, so we are it's gonna, your job to look that up for later. We will. Uh, we will show. go ahead and transition into baseball um, after after a somber subject. We'll get into an even more somber subject. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, the Cardinals. Yeah, the fact that we weren't labor. Paul, Paul <laughs> the Young and. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge Paul DeYoung fan, so that that was the joke I was making there. Again, Steve would want me to make jokes about Paul DeYoung. Okay, guys, come on. Relax. Uh, he would no, have called so, him Paul DeJong. 
Paul DeJong for sure, as most people do. Most people call him that. It's Paul DeYoung. Fairly certain on that. Uh, he gets contract extension with the uh, with the Cardinals. I get it. You know, young guy. I think he's 25 this year. 24 this year. Had a big breakout season last year. Has just absolutely horrible plate skills. That's not who he's guaranteed to be, though. I understand that. But in 26 mil over six years, you, you, you sign that. You take that shot on a guy who hit 25 homers in 443 plate appearances with an 857 OPS. Justin, when you saw uh, Paul DeYoung get extended, actually, you know what? I don't really care about the extension because we only care about this year. Where are you on Paul DeYoung as a uh, fantasy shortstop this year? He's not a guy I want. I just there, there's so many and you know and you and I'll break down second base and shortstop uh, here later in this week. Um, there's just such incredible depth to the position uh, these days that I feel like I can get a guy who can outproduce him or at least give me better all around production uh, later on. So you know, give me a Marcus Simeon, give me an Orlando Arcia. Ah, so yes. I just I can't I can't push back on the names you gave. But I would challenge a little bit as to why you might not like – I would push back on the notion that you don't like him and say you should because I feel like he fits your plan because he's going to be a power guy and he's not going to be a great batting average guy. But he's the shining example of what can happen when things really go right because he only – you know, uh, Paul DeYoung had a 28% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate, and managed to hit 285 because he blasted the ball around and wound up with a 349 Babbitt. You're looking to get a handful of those guys, and all of a sudden your punt batting average turns into at least a solid batting average. I don't think you're ever really thinking that you're going to win it outside of some major good luck. But these are the kinds of seasons that you can have when you punt batting average and just go on power skills because these guys can hit the ball hard enough. So is it just the the cost versus those other guys? Yeah, I I think right now you're having to pay for the fact that he hit 285 last year. That, yeah, uh, let's see here. I got it since the 25th uh, of uh, February. Let's see. DeYoung is pick 157. He's pretty high. I actually thought he was a little bit lower than that, but that's pretty high, especially when the names you mentioned. I really like better. Marcus he Simeon. Went 20 bucks. He went 20 bucks and NL labor. Yeah, see, I'm not paying 20 bucks. There's no, no, there's it's no just the, chance. The price is inflated because he hit with such a high average. The only thing that this contract makes me a little bit more comfortable with is Maybe like, Mike Matheny won't screw around with him in the yeah. same way they screw around, screwed around with uh, Aledmus Diaz last year. But this was the hype on Aledmus Diaz last year, and now he's a backup infielder for, for the Toronto Blue Jays. So yeah, I, I, I don't trust the Cardinals as an organization. Jason, you drafted Paul DeYoung? Nope. Yeah, I think a pretty easy pass for us. It's just not a guy that really strikes me. I do like the dual eligibility, but the, the price, you're paying full market value, and I, I think there's going to be regression there. I, I could easily see a 25 homer, uh, 250 batting average, which would be fine at pick 210, but not at 150. Uh, Ichiro headed back to Seattle, and we are going to be talking about AL only league and AL and NL only league. So we're going to be talking about some leagues of a certain depth, and that's the main reason that Ichiro uh, gets brought up. I mean, he's a you know superstar player for sure, talent that uh, is going to go into the Hall of Fame, but he's not doing much in the fantasy landscape. Going back out to Seattle, are you guys throwing him on your roster at all in an AL only? I'll take that as a no. I'll take that as a firm no. Let's see if he went yesterday. No, he did not. What's he going to offer besides? He didn't go into nothing. either league. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, I what's, what's he going to the table at this point? Not much, really. You know, it's. Um, Is this yeah, in like response to Ben Gamble probably starting the year on the DL, I'm guessing? Um, that's That would seem to be 
that would seem to be it. And then transition him into a fourth. He's almost like a fifth outfielder at this point, though, and probably don't want a fifth outfielder on the team. Um, Is this something, honestly, it feels like something we're going to bring him back and he's going to announce his retirement so he could do it. The pro- this, There's no way they're going to hang on to him all year. They're never going to release him. He's going to go out in his own terms. So yeah, it's like he's going to be taking that roster spot up. I, yeah, I don't see him doing this. I don't see him. I don't see him lasting April, to be honest. It just feels like this is a, we're going to bring him back. We're going to let him play a few weeks. And then as soon as somebody needs Maybe to come off the disabled list, like Ryan Healy, if he's not ready to start the season. Yeah, I don't, how many at-bats, how many played appearances he have or whatever? Uh, at bat, 10,000, he's 115 away. Yeah, that will get him into May. Yeah, that's the only... Well, I mean, late May, depending, because he's not going to be playing every day. But it just, to me, it feels like let's have him around so when we need to do something, he'll actually announce his retirement, and then we can have a proper send-off and move on. I mean, they got Guillermo Heredia slotted in right now, so he could take the left-field job or at least take big parts of the left-field job. And what injury is... uh, Oblique. Oh, strained oblique. Oh. That's six weeks right there. Mm -hmm. At least. And that's from that's from March second. Oof, yeah, obliques. I hate obliques. I'm not drafting Matt Campbell at all this year. Okay, good to know. I hadn't I hadn't seen that. Injury. What 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 about his brother Ben? Who'd I say, Matt? Oh, <laughs> are they brothers? Or are they like cousins? I I don't know. They have the same last name, so I just guessed. I think they are related, but uh, yeah, I'm not taking defense. Ben Gamble either. Yeah, he is the brother of Matt Gamble. Okay, I remember taking Matt Gamble a whole bunch. Thinking we all he did. Yeah, like break out. <laughs> And that never happened. How many? Okay, most homers he had in a major league season. Matt Gamble, go. Fifteen. Thirteen. Yeah, he has five. What the hell were we buying? <laughs> we're buying minor league stats. God, we're, we're buying new. Arizona, Arizona, Arizona stats. Seriously, I would have said the same kind of number y'all had. I was like, there had to be a, you know, two month call up where he hit fifteen homers, and that's why we kept drafting him. Nope, five. In 2009 for Matt Gamble. Anyway, hope Ben Gamble gets healthy, but I don't mess with obliques. I, I honestly did, wasn't really drafting him anyway, so this just gives me an easy reason. Uh, let's transition into the AL labor because that's the one that uh, we were represented by uh, Eno and Jeff Zimmerman co- co-owned it with him, and uh, I would imagine would probably take the team next year. Speaking of Gamble, uh, he went in that draft, and just to kind of close that loop, I will point out that he went, I think, for 17 or something. I, hang on. I saw it earlier, and I meant to log it in the old brain. Eight, not 17. 17 would be crazy. Ben Gamble went for eight bucks. Uh, Jason, what do you think of Ben Gamble at eight bucks? I mean, it's AL only. You're just trying to buy bats. I, I'm not it's Not somebody I'm targeting. I'm sorry? Yeah, two, he had 275 in 550 plate appearances last year with 11 homers and four four stolen bases in five attempts. And he'll be 26 this year coming off that strained oblique for Ben Gamble. I mean, it's a fair some- price. It's a fair price because if he's going to get the at-bats, that's really what you're buying. And you're hoping something triggers a little bit. But that's not somebody that's on my target list. It's somebody, okay, I guess that's where I've got to go. i got to go here. But not somebody that's- I want. Any love? I love. I like Ben Gamble a lot, actually. Uh, yeah. he's, he's got power. He's got. He showed some power last year. I think that was a little unexpected. Um, he has speed. He, he's stolen uh, twenty bases in the minor leagues. Over twenty bases in the minor in minor league seasons. Uh, you know, th- this oblique issue is a little bit scary for me, and I don't think the Mariners are necessarily 
completely tied to you know having him in the everyday lineup unless he produces. But I liked what I saw last year coming up. I went 275, 322, 413, and 134 games. So I actually like him. This is going to definitely cool me on him a bit. But there's no price attached. Because you can't rush these. I mean, one of the things with the the oblique is you cannot rush it back. When they say this is one of those legit things, when the player says, hey, I feel good. You know, they say three to four, I'm going to come back in two. Yeah, this is not one of those things you rush. Even, uh, it's you know, they can't swing the bat for a few weeks. And you think of it, it's like, oh, it's a strain muscle. That'll go away in a few weeks. Now it takes some time. And then you try to start swinging and you swing too hard. You do it right again. Even some of the pitchers, when you see it with a pitcher, it's like an automatic minimum six weeks. You think yeah. back, I know in that Arizona situation where they're trying to figure out who's going to close, that's what derailed Brad Boxberger. It almost took two years off his damn career. He got hurt in spring, tried to rush back, got hurt in his very first outing when he came back, missed the rest of 16, and then missed a lot of 17 because of complications from the, the other surgery. So that's what happens when you try to accelerate those things. Yeah, obliques always seem to linger. And by the way, it was it was our beloved Eno and Jeff mm-hmm. who uh, who scooped. Oh, my God. Sorry, I just got a stupid DM. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> that's fine. It sh- should. Episode uh, title. <laughs> it was. It was. In fact, yeah, they they were the ones that got Ben Gamble. So let's talk about their team. I'm trying to figure out who the hell their middle is because it's not listed. I asked Jeff. Oh, there was a there was an uh, email or a tweet from um, from Gardner about it. But I don't know who the blank. Oh. Yeah, I don't Matt, know. Probably Matt Duffy slides up from Util and Luis Valbuena. Uh, goes to Util for him. Be my guess. Oh, I see the. Yeah, I see yeah, those are still filled. missing a player. Yes, Gardner had tweeted oh, out something like some of the placeholders. Okay, yeah. I guess I'm wondering who that placeholder is. But yeah, I guess they'll put Valbuena in there. Probably doesn't really matter. Eno's so, so good that he was willing to play down a player. Down a player. Got it. Eno yeah. probably tried to draft Jarrell Cotton twice. Is what happened. That's true. Well, he, he, he dropped put... a Calhoun and Duffy twice. So. Well, he, he wanted did. Cotton as a hitter they and a pitcher because he knows two something Two Duffies. Uh, he knows he can put Otani as a hitter or pitcher. So he figured, let me try to get uh, let me try to get an extra uh, Cotton player here and, and sort s- slot him in at middle. But let's cover their team. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, this offense quickly, and then because I think the pitching is a little bit more exciting. But we'll go we'll go position by position. Catchers have got. Brian Brian McCann, ten bucks. Bruce Maxwell, seven bucks. And then, actually, let's just talk about that real quick. Let's just go each one. So they spent seventeen bucks on their catchers, coming up with twenty four AL catchers or even twenty four NL as we'll get to. Like the, the the catchers are tough in this league. I'm actually a two catcher guy. I'm for it. I'm for it. I mean, it, it definitely inflates the value. Um, you know, of a Sanchez for sure, but even of kind of the mid tier guys and that's fine. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just a different set of parameters that we work within. I, yeah. I, when they get compared to like kickers, I think that's stupid and wrong. Like, it's not like that at all. It's nothing like kickers. Um, they're not fantasy baseball's kickers. People need to stop saying, yeah, that. Jake Seeley. So yeah, they went, <laughs> they went $17. Uh, there, Maxwell at seven, a little hot for me, but uh, McCann at ten is fine. What'd you guys think of the uh, Brian McCann? I should say, can't just say McCann on an AL only situation. What'd you think of Eno and Jeff's catchers? I'm not crazy about the Maxwell side of it. McCann, sure, uh, you know, that's yeah. money spent. We bought him last year, I think we bought him last year. Um, uh, did we buy him in mix? 
Was he our second catcher? I forgot exactly where. Uh, I'm not, you know, again, we Maxwell, saw, I figure. Burn we did. my brain. <laughs> uh, Maxwell was, uh, to me, it's a little bit overpaid. When I look at, uh, you know, comparing it to some of the others, I really like what Larry did, grabbing Castillo and Chirinos for a combination of $19. I think, you know, it's a really good job of staying out of that top tier of catchers, but really grabbing that the high, the high, like the trainers. low end. I like both guys last year and he just never stays healthy. He's had concussion problems in his career. He's 34. So he's probably not going to, you could look at that duo and get 40 homers on the high end. And I think that's the only duo that I see in this that could pull that off. Well, Sanchez and Swihart can because Swihart only needs to get 10. I actually really like what Colton and Wolfman did because Swihart's out of options. And he's yeah. two bucks, and he could get some second base reps up here. Actually, no, I think we talked about First how base, they said that they're not going to do that. But either way, Christian Vasquez is not uh, a full-on block-off. And, of course, Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez would be doing the heavy lifting there. So to your point, they got two guys who could go 20, and I think that's your, that's the point you're trying to make. Right. Whereas um, it's, uh, Sanchez, Swihart would probably be like, like a, a 30, 10, a 35, five sort of situation, but I still like it even at 32 bucks that they paid. Uh, and then, yeah, looking across these other ones, it would be tough. Uh, maybe Dave Adler could, if Zunino hit 30 and, and Castro somehow found 10, but um, no, it, it, you know, our boys did fine. I like Larry's as well. Maxwell, I guess they're just trying to buy plate appearances because it looks like he's going to be the starter, but I'm not, you don't get I'm points, back for fantasy points for felonies. So, <laughs> exactly, you don't get fantasy points for being a garbage bag. All right, let's move into their corner. First, uh, first base, Greg Bird, fifteen bucks. Third base, Rafael Devers, twenty bucks. And then corner, Edwin Canarsione, twenty six dollars. Uh, so they got they went heavy at the corner. There, you could put uh, Edwin at at first and Greg Bird at corner if you want to rank the uh, the the order of importance there or whatever. But either way, they spent big and I like it. They've got youth and and floor there. Edwin's going to do his thing and then Bird and Devers both have upside. Justin, what would you think of the the corner trio? Yeah, I'm not a big Greg Bird fan, but in spite of that, I, I like the shot that Eno's taking here. This is likely Eno's last year in AL Labor. He's going for it. He took the upside in Endeavors and Greg Bird, but also matched some safety with E5. Uh, we talked about E5 at length in the last episode, uh, and I'm a huge fan. Uh, someone mentioned we didn't really mention Greg Bird in the corner infielders uh, podcast. Uh, I kind of thought we did, but I guess I, not. I don't think we did because I would have kind of crapped on him quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. So what is your aversion to Greg Bird? Then? You say you don't really really buy in on him. By the way, before you get into that, apparently I say Edwin Encarnacion wrong. I was told that. I, I, I say it up. wrong too. So I mean Encarnacion like. Encarnacion is how it's pronounced on fan, baseball reference. I think he, he was trying to tell me the nuance of how I'm saying it wrong. I'm not getting it. I'm not figuring it out because I'm looking at it here. And Coors. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Greg Bird. You don't really like him. Why not? Play a full season, man. Like he, he Whoa, just, roasted. You know, I just get onto the field and stay onto the field. Um, and this is a Yankees team that's not going to mess around if, if a young guy struggles. 
they, they're a team that is trying to compete right now. They will pull any punches to do to do so. So if he ends up back in the minors or ends up injured on DL, you get nothing from him. And he's just going too high. I don't mind the price of $15 in AL only. I actually thought that was really affordable, so I don't mind it here. But in mixed leagues, he's got, what, like an ADP of like 150-something, I want to say. That, to me, is way too high. Okay, Jason, are, are you are you buying in on uh, on Greg Bird? I, I have the same critique as far as playing the full season. I've talked about him. You know, when he's impressed everybody, it's it's been in these crazy Septembers. Uh, and when September pitching is watered down, this guy seems to feast. We but we can't we can't judge him on what he does outside of September because he hasn't played much outside of September. Uh, and that's really where, if you're going to fall back on a, if you're going to take a chance on a guy, always taking a chance on a guy with a 240 foot right, uh, right field porch uh, is a good move to make. in that regard, I'm actually more critical of the move on Devers because as exciting as I think as the back could be, uh, he's going to have some defensive issues there. I mean, he doesn't look very smooth at third base, and if he doesn't, you know, if for some reason it it gets, it's to not going to cost him time, though. You would it's hope not. not, but he just he has not looked good in the spring. He didn't look good last year on the throwing, and that's kind of where you know, if 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 for some reason it doesn't stick, where's he going to go? You just got JD Martinez there, and yeah, you know, that's kind of where I guess they're going to play through it. But maybe you wonder if the defensive struggles go to the plate with him. I'm a, I'm a little like I. I'm, I like Devers, but that's that's above my pr- uh, price range for him. Okay, yeah, I, I actually hadn't seen anything about defensive struggles with Devers at twenty bucks. Um, I think that could that could pay off. We'll, we'll see what happens with the defense. I certainly don't think he's going to lose playing time, but uh, you're not wrong that it could ne- could possibly impact him at the dish if he's kind of uh, carrying it with him, which sometimes happens with. Um, with guys who are struggling with their defense, it kind of permeates their whole game because they guys want to be good out there. You know, we only focus on the offensive side because that's what we care about in fantasy. But these guys want to go out there and be full on ball players, so uh, that could that could linger. Let's shift over to the middle, which is a little bit lighter, obviously, because it's trade off there with the uh, with the corners. They went with uh, Joey Wendell, Dollar Gamble from Oakland at second base. Jorge Polanco. Oh, he's at t- he's in Tampa Bay now. My bad. Yeah. Uh, they always trade guys in race corner. Both, Woo! They're bo- yeah, they're both insignificant teams, so who cares? Um, Jorge oh, Polanco, sixteen dollars, <laughs> and then apparently Matt Duffy, also a Ray. Uh, well, we'll go ahead and put him race in corner at, at middle, and then Valbuena will slot into the utility, and we can also uh, talk about him at the same time here. So, uh, yeah, when Polanco, Duffy, Valbuena, Jason, what did you think of this group here? Wendell's junk. Uh, I don't see he's not going to be on the team long. He really yeah. isn't. I don't think he's a good player. Uh, I really like the Polanco pick. I mean, if you yeah. look at la- if you look at last year with Polanco, you know he got off to a bad start. It got progressively worse. His grandfather passed away in June. You know, had to go. They they were on a road trip in Seattle, so he's got to fly from Seattle, Santo Domingo. Um, then he came back and and got even worse. Lost his starting job. And then something clicked there in the beginning of August. So from August for the rest of the season, dude was a man possessed. Uh, just pl- played out of his mind baseball. And you look at the numbers over the course of a full season, he was on pace for like 30 homers and 20 runs driven in. That said, that's not sustainable production for him. If you look at... Uh, wait, wait. Did you say 30 homers and 20 runs driven in? Stolen bases. Whatever. It's okay. been a long freaking day. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but I also, I don't think he was on pace for th- that. Because um, he hit 13 homers in fi- 
Wait, are you saying ex- if you just take the from yeah, if you August just extrapolate on? August? Oh, okay, just extrapolate okay. August on. So, but here's the thing: like, if by expected weighted on base average minus weighted on base average, nobody had a higher difference between those two numbers than Polanco did from August first. There's like an 88 point difference between his his actual and his expected in the wrong direction. So he was, yeah. you know, that's kind of what you. But well, then again, if you discount it. Like I part of my bold predictions at Rotowire, I said he's got an outside shot at 2020 this year. Exactly, and I I, I would agree with that because he fronted the league four months. Uh, he had three homers and six stolen bases through July. Jorge Polanco did. He really turned it on in August, and that's when the schedule got easy too. That's that's why I discount Kyle Gibson's surge, um, and I was discounting Byron Buxton's, but Byron Buxton had some tangible changes to it. I'd want to know if if Polanco did as well. He did have a 400 BABIP. Uh, so he was running hot in August when he went 373, 413, 686. I'm sure the high BABIP is part of why um, you know he he doesn't grade out well necessarily in the uh, what is this ex Woba versus Woba? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You're looking at yep. And um, and then he kind of cooled down in September with a 263, 45, 423, which is perfectly fine. Um, and with four homers and three stolen bases. If you extrapolate just that month, then again, we don't get we don't do too much extrapolation here because it's it's dangerous. But we're also taking we're taking a good month and a pretty mediocre month and looking at that. And uh, there's some reasoning behind the first four months that struggle. Plus, Polanco was a real prospect. Like I think we forget that because it's been a while. He was back in 15 or 16, I believe, uh, and he was signed at 16. So another guy could have some prospect fatigue because he's been around so long. You're like, oh, this Jorge Polanco guy is never really going to get it. He's going to be 24 this year. He's a baby still. Um, there's still plenty of time to see him improve. So I like him as well. Even if he only went 13-13 again uh, with like a 750 OPS, I don't think that that's terrible, especially in the AL only. But I definitely see upside for more. So I thought that was a, a really sharp pick by them. Hey, I can I it. push back a little bit on the uh, on the, the schedule being garbage in August? Yeah, it was easy. But let's not forget the rest. The, most of 2018, they're going to be playing an unbalanced schedule with – what fifty seven games against against Kansas oh, City against Chicago and that garbage team in Michigan who's going to be worse than anything we've ever seen since the Cleveland oh, Spiders. You're you know, your irrelevant Rays. I'm sorry, man. I, I had to get that back I'm in sorry, at you. So, but I mean, that's the thing. It's going to at be, least we have a purpose. Like we know what we're doing. Right. Though we're not just shuffling money around. That's true. Uh, so, but when you look at this, that, but that's the thing with the when you look at the Twins and you look at the Indians, it, they're going to get a lot of games against rebuilding teams. Sure. And I mean, I like those. I like I like Chicago eventually. Um, I think Detroit. Well, those three teams have any pitching besides Fulmer, right? Like yeah, what else? Exactly. Don't care about anything in the White Sox uh, until Kopech's up. And actually, I'm a little intrigued by Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, Lopez and Giolito are all right, but that those are his peers. If Jorge right. Plunk can't hit those two guys, like and those Nate Carnes is going to win the Cy Young. Um, <laughs> These aren't, you know, you're not you're not facing uh, Verlander and Scherzer on the on the t- old school Tigers there that are going to be able to cut up a young 24 year old. You're facing your own peers there. So even two guys, and I like both Giolito and Ray Lopez. They showed some things last year that kind of reasserted their status that they had back in uh, 16 and so that's fair and uh that's definitely a good point about twins and indians players because they're going to have three teams that are just not really going to challenge them that much and they don't even have much in the way of bullpen on either of those two clubs and so yeah it was it was a weak schedule 
but the schedule is going to stay weak uh, for for the bulk of the year. So I am interested in what Polanco can do. I, I really do like him, Justin. What do you think about uh, Polanco? And and you guys you guys can mention stuff on Duffy and Falbuena if you'd like to, although they're not that significant. Yeah, I think Polanco has a chance to repeat what he did last year. Maybe he goes fifteen fifteen. I think that has some value, and I don't mind necessarily the price uh, that Eno paid for him at sixteen dollars in an AL only, especially considering. You saw some of the shortstop prices just go crazy. You know, he he paid. You know, or uh, Mike Ginella, you know, doubled that for Francisco Lindor. Uh, Alex Bregman went for twenty nine bucks. Um, you know, so it's it's not bad. Uh, like a thirty five. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm not I'm not too worried. The other guys don't really strike me as being worth no, really colors. anything, but you can yeah. always, yeah, just replace them with, with the guys from your reserve list or, you know, yeah. if Willie Adamas comes up. I actually like exactly. the Taylor Motter pick in, in his Adamus reserve. Adamas and Motter are two that, that could actually fill in here in the in their middle, and maybe they're yeah. just kind of waiting on them. So they put those on their reserve roster, so we'll see how that goes. And Luis Falbuena, I think, will get some playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with Kron gone. Yeah, exactly. That, that's yeah. the big change there is that CJ Krohn is gone. Valbuena can sneak in. He is a left-hander. They don't have many, so that lowered wall, maybe maybe he can sneak a few extra homers there. So for 4 bucks, not that bad. Matt Duffy, if he stays healthy, get back, maybe hit some batting average for him. If you think about Duffy and Valbuena as a duo, I kind of like it even better. Again, that assumes Duffy stays healthy at all because I, did he even did he even suit up last year, nope. Jason? Nope. Yeah, so he missed the, the entire. The thing with him, though, this, so so with like in in fifteen, he had seventy seven runs driven in, right? And he hit what fifth in that Giants lineup. Uh, yeah, he's going to hit third in this one. And when you look so you at get like forty four RBIs this year, that could be crazy. You can go off if if we're lucky. But one of the, when you look when you look at the way the team's constructed, you know, people will make a, a lot of crap. And I don't know if I made this point earlier uh, on an earlier episode. They were only two runs away from being the lowest scoring team in the American League last year. Only only wow. Toronto, Tor- Toronto or Oakland had 603 runs. The Rays were 604. So despite all these things going around, all the home runs, you know, it didn't matter because there was a lot of solo shots and a lot of strikeouts yeah. around them, right? So they're rebuilding yeah, this Toronto team and looking at it. Again, by one run, I think it was 604 to 603. Uh, 693, so yes. Okay, there we go. I knew it was something, uh, but the uh, when you look at it, the, the, they took away a lot of the strikeouts. Yeah, they did bring Carlos Gomez in, but they got they got rid of a lot of the swing and miss in the lineup. Uh, and so, what I see them doing, if you were if you like me and liked the like the 06, 07 Devil Rays version that would have one guy that would hit the home runs and everybody else ran on the bases, that's kind of where I feel them getting back uh, getting back into the thing. But it's not going to be Duffy hitting the home runs. I mean, they're looking at Kron as, be- as being the guy. But having mm-hmm. Malik Smith and having Kiermaier and having um, uh, Miller, Ramos, Span, and Kron are and, you know, those, yeah, the yard. those are your guys trying to do that. Everybody else is out there slashing and dashing. So yep. um you know, I think I think projection wise, I, I want to say we have them for like seven hundred and fifteen runs, which I which I think is impressive considering the talent bleed they had this year on paper. They're, they're to say, okay, you're going to score twenty more runs this year. That's the thing. Like for all of it, for all the chatter, and like I'm a Dickerson fanboy, so okay, I was, I was like, dang it, why they why they DFA him? They're projected right now for two runs, two wins fewer than they had last year, eighty to seventy eight, and that's where they try to live. They right. they are trying to live, 
in the 78 to 82 projection, which means there are a few breakout seasons from 86 plus, And then all of a sudden you're talking wild card in a lot of different situations, especially with two wild cards. So they could make some noise there, but we're not turning this into race corner. Let's jump to the outfield. They got Delano DeShields, $20, Cole Calhoun, 14, Willie Calhoun, 11, Mike, Mikey Matuk, nine. And then the aforementioned Ben Gamble at eight. Justin outfield here has got, uh, has got some punch and speed. Um, you know, not, not a true bopper. Again, they, they really consolidated their power into those corner positions, but, uh, you know, Willie Calhoun could, I really, really like him this year. Cole Calhoun's Calhoun. a bopper. He's a bopper for sure. Like, you, you know, you consider him full on bopper. I think so. 30 plus. Yeah. I, I look at the depth that's my, charts. That's my loose definition of a bopper. You yeah. know, I stared at him real quick. I stared at him. I had a pick in, uh, in my fan beat Jason Colette league. And I I ended up taking Brett Gardner over Calhoun, but I stared. I think this was like the ninth round or something. But I honestly stared long and hard at that one because uh, I was like, okay, do I go for the shiny new toy or do I go for the guy who scored ninety six runs last year at the type of a, at the top of a lineup that got even stronger? That got even stronger. No, I I don't think it's out of bounds to to go Gardner over Calhoun, but I really do like Calhoun. Is he gonna? Is Gardner Gardner gonna lead off? Sure, that's the one thing he does is get on base. Yeah, he does have good on base. Um, but I like Calhoun. I, I'm I'm cool. I'm cool saying saying that he's a bopper. Then I was trying to be conservative, but I can go. I can get behind him as the bopper. And then you got the speedster with the shields. Happen to be teammates. Calhoun as the stop, solid guy. Mikey Matuk is kind of like a lesser Calhoun. You know, just a solid guy. I actually think the Leonis Martin thing might have cost him some playing time, but it looks like. Matuk's going to start in the left. I don't know. He showed some decent stuff last year for the Tigers. And if he just has playing time and it is guaranteed, then I do think he can be perfectly fine, even batting, you know, six, seven, or eight on that team. Now, and I agree. When you look, when you look at Maddock, when he was when he was in Tampa Bay, they never gave him a chance against righties. They said you just can't hit him. Um, last year in Detroit, he was given that chance and he hit them. You look uh, about 250 plate appearances against righties and he was league average while mm-hmm. still being above league average against lefties. Now we'd still, I think we have about th- fewer than 400 plate appearances against righties as a career sample size. So we can't say, okay, he's going to finally do it this year, but he's going to get every chance because to your point, there's nothing behind him. I mean, left field is his. He can he can spot and center, but he's really a left fielder, uh, and so it's going to be his. And he doesn't need a platoon partner. It, if they let him out the run, this is what a rebuilding team does. And I actually really liked them picking up Maddock here because rebuilding teams that the one thing they do really well is they let these guys play so they can see what they have. If it's not yeah. real, you move on. And I, I think this is I think this is an area where the projections are underselling him a bit. Um because they're they're still panning in they're still factoring in that platoon time. I just don't see it there for him. Now it may hurt his average a little bit, but it could help his counting categories. I mean he you know maybe hits two fifty and, and you know pushes 20 homers and maybe steals 10. He's got, he's a pretty decent athlete. I mean, this was a former first yeah, round pick, that, that's um, the thing. but he went to he's going to get his playing time this year. You know, uh, Matuk went to LSU, you know, that's like yep. uh, that's a powerhouse spot. And you mentioned former first rounder. I like him. I actually gave him a pretty favorable write up in the, in the forecaster as well. I did a lot of deep dive on him. Uh, obviously I'd been watching him play for the Tigers, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to y'all. I wasn't watching every single game, sitting down and watching it in that second half. No way. Um, just, you know, got other things to do. And unless I needed to be put to sleep, I wasn't watching them. I will 
be a sucker this year and probably still watch like 120 games or so. But I gave him an upside of 25 homers, 15 stolen bases for Matuk. So uh, hopefully he takes full advantage of his playing time. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead. Nope, 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 nope. It was very good. It was very good. Uh, and then, yeah, Cole Calhoun's kind of boring but steady. You know, the guy is just going to get his playing time. And then we talked about Ben Gamble. Delano DeShields, guys. Um, I've always been a Delano DeShields believer. And I'm I'm hoping that we see even more this year. He had a really solid season last year. Even a repeat would be fine. I don't think that it would be all that bad, even for 20 bucks, to get a 269, six homers, and 29 stolen bases again with uh, with 75 runs. I don't for 120 games. I don't think that would be the end of the world for their 20 dollars. Obviously, they're expecting and hoping for more. I've always felt there was a little bit of latent pop in this bat too, and the the projections agree. Steamer has him down for nine. Depth charts have him for ten because they're giving him more playing time, and they got him for 1037 versus Steamer's 931, and then Zips at 833. All the batting averages are sub 250. I don't know. We'll see. I don't think I see a 358 uh, BABIP last year, and I understand that that's high, but he's got the speed to maintain it. And if the pop is there and he's hitting the ball hard plus his speed, that could be good. So I like the DeShield scoop as their their primary speed source. Yeah, they uh, needed that. When you look at the team, when you looked at it, is when I first saw twenty dollars, I was like, yikes! But then you look at the rest of the team, and outside of Polanco. like where are your stolen bases really going to come from? Oh yeah, um, AL only. There's no way you let a guy like that not go for anything 20 has to be i think the minimum really for a DeShields in an al only especially tw- we're talking 12 team y'all 12 team al only you talk about that gets right thin. i mean and i paid I would pay 20, two years ago two years ago i paid 23 for him and that was the year that i finished ninth in tout because he absolutely fell apart uh but i had a when you looked at the the year see this would have been uh the latter half of 2015 yeah this would have been the latter half of 2015 and how well he did like okay you know, there were only so many guys for speed, and, and this is the guy that I think I budgeted 22, and I went 23 for maybe the same kind of purpose where, okay, this part of the draft, this was the guy. that we. The one thing we don't have here is draft order. We don't know when these guys were taken. Um, but this is what you're going to have to pay to get to Shields this year in a single-league format. All right, let's talk some pitching. And uh, they, they were the guys. You know, and, and Jeff were the guys that got Otani. And Otani went for eighteen dollars, and that this was, was early too. Early. It was very. I was tracking was very early and in the draft. I was pretty surprised by that. I thought that was a pretty fair price. I thought twenty was was the, the minimum entry point for for Otani, and they got him for eighteen. And they had some flexibility to where they could have slotted him in their utility at any point during the draft if they saw an extra pitcher that they wanted. And I think that's a little added draft bonus there. They didn't necessarily uh, end up having to leverage it, but maybe they just saw uh, hitters that they liked better. But it would have been a a little thing that they could have used, especially if they had some ideas as a uh, utility hitter that they wanted in the the reserve rounds. They could have said, let's get this extra arm here, pay a couple bucks for him, and then we'll figure it out later. But uh, 18 bucks, Justin, what did you think of that for an AL only uh, for Shohei Otani? Well, it was interesting. Uh, like I said, I, I talked to uh, Steve Gardner and Laura Michaels, uh, and they were uh, on the Towers Hour this last week, um, and they were both in this auction. And they both said, for different reasons, when Otani's name got thrown out, that they weren't going to bid. They were out on him. Laura just doesn't want uh, want to take a shot on him in the first year. But Steve just thought he would go for too much money, and he didn't want to spend that kind of money that early on a starting pitcher, and he was actually shocked when it stopped at $18. 
I was I was really shocked listening to it. I uh, I hadn't I hadn't seen any of the info, and then I listened to the replay, and I was I couldn't wait. That was one of the ones I was obviously looking forward to. And I said, eighteen, wow! And it went to our boys. Let's go. Um, I'm in for that. And it's you know, it's the thing that's been happening in in draft season so far, mock drafts and a couple regular drafts, where I'm getting him in the uh, the ninety five plus range as far as a draft pick goes. Uh, when he has an ADP in the seventies, and I'm like. I'll take that. I think this feels similar to me where it's like I really expected at least 20. I, I think in my mind I had it for 22. I was like, oh, he's going to go like 22. And uh, he goes 18. So I thought that was a nice little bargain for them. Yeah, you're, you're buying some risk, but you're not even paying full freight for it. Justin, would you, or Jason, what do you think? I think I've said earlier I thought it, that I wouldn't be the guy that would roster him uh, in this mm-hmm. case, but at that price, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna think long and hard about it. I just thought he would automatically be a twenty dollar dude uh, for me, and that's why I I was when I saw him go eight. And this was early. I think had he gone a little later, uh, you know, perhaps he doesn't go eighteen. But this is always. Um, and I can't recommend this enough in your home leagues. In an expert league, this typically doesn't happen where these guys go cheap early. I mean, if you compare this to no, NL there's labor, usually inflation. Yeah, NL early. labor was really high on that you know, yesterday. But that's some of the factors with uh, with the Doug Dennis being in that league uh, and like spending. Actually, he spent a lot on. Well, no, 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 he he was different this year. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to the yeah. NL. But yeah, there's usually inflation early in the draft. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman did a little piece on the la- on labor, and he had a little chart showing that. So that that made it all the more interesting. Uh, they paired Otani with Danny Duffy, Michael Fulmer at twelve apiece. J Hap for eleven. Of course, they got Jarrell Cotton four dollars. Matthew Boyd two bucks. Andrew Heaney two bucks. Then for their closers, they went twenty on Edwin Diaz, twelve on Shane Green. So they got a, a pretty solid closer on a on a halfway decent team. And then they went bargain bin on a terrible team with Shane Green at twelve bucks. Um, I thought this was a well-rounded rotation. They did get three Tigers. It's a little dodgy there, but they got yeah. the ace, the closer, and and a decent gamble. Chris Bosio working with Matthew Boyd, already seeing some some uh, um, some payoff there in the early going. He has seven strikeouts in seven innings. He's shown some talent. He looks like a four-starter at max, but he's really pitched like a six-starter in the majors, so hopefully they can get him to that four-starter level. Um, I thought the staff was pretty good. I, I liked what they did there. They they don't have a, a lockdown ace because uh, we don't know what Otani's going to be, but they have a couple guys that that could really do uh, three guys really that could be that guy. We've discussed our our uh, concerns with with a Duffy, and Fulmer is coming back from the ulnar nerve surgery, and then of course Otani has his risk. But any one of those three could be a fantasy ace. Uh, Justin, what do you think of the rest of their rotation? I really liked it. Like I said, I think Eno took his shots here in, in potentially his last year. I even like uh, Jesse Hahn, who he got in the reserve round, whose uh, his uh, his uh, velocity has been up this spring already. So um, I think he did a really good job of taking some risks. I like the upside of Duffy at $12, even though that we do have concerns. I love the upside of Michael Formore at $12. Um, I know Shane Green, like I said, he, he pitches on a really god-awful team as a closer. But there's no one who's taken that job from him as long as, you know, he's healthy. So, um, And I I feel like Jay Happ is one of those guys that is perennially underrated. Um, And so I I like that pick as kind of a a rotation stabilizer. Jason, you like Edwin Diaz? Uh, I 
I do. Uh, you know, he's he's working on a changeup for the second consecutive spring. If it sticks this year, because he didn't throw it last year, uh, you know, he said he was going to do it, he didn't. But if it sticks this year, that obviously brings his steps up his swing and miss game. It's just a matter of can he command it. And you know, last year that we weren't sure who was staring over his shoulder. This year, there's Juan Nicasio there, and they spent the money to go get him. Uh, sure. So you know, last year they yanked it from Diaz for a week. You know, this year if they do it again, then Nicasio could take over. Um, I just think they didn't sign Nicasio to do this. They signed him to be that multi-inning guy, given that yeah. he has you know, that starting experience. He's, he's the guy that could work the, the multiple frames. And just for me, if you spend $92 on pitching, you should not end up with three Tigers pitchers. I'm not just trashing the Tigers. I mean, Fulmer, I'm fine. But again, when you're spending $92, you should have... How does the $92 relate, though? I mean, I was what's, trying to look across. Like, I, I didn't look at the numbers, like the exact salaries, but I like what Andrea did with her pitching staff with Barrios, Parker, Sanchez, Colome, Hamels, Davinsky, Peacock, Lopez, Middleton. That's a lot of strikeouts right there. And yeah, I'm not doing adding up the numbers, but they're not spending. They're not spending, or she's not spending a 92 unless I'm doing my math wrong. Uh, yeah, 30, she's 55, probably, 64, 72. Pretty close. Spent a little less, spent a little less, but I like that staff better than I like what Eno and Jeff did here. Yeah, I don't. I the bottom line on the staffs, I, I staffs staffs, I don't see much difference. Staff I, um, staff I. Uh, yeah, the Tigers are bad, but there's a lot of bad AL, AL teams, and so you're bound to get guys that is from a good point. bad teams. That is a good point. There so, are, uh, what seven teams that we know out of the gate are going to be out of the, uh, out of contention in week two? Yeah, it, I mean it's 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 a haves have have nots in the AL. You know, she got Colome, who is a closer on an okay team. Like you know, jokes aside on Tampa Bay, like I said, they're they're pretty much what they were last year. I don't think they're too but different. That's the, but if that's he gets the perfect traded, team, though. He's not a closer, so I don't. Yeah. Or not in the American I, League. Or not in the that, American. Doesn't matter in this one, but I mean, when you look, one of the things with Colome, yeah, unless yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of the things with him though is that's one of the uh, with Tampa Bay because they play in all, and this is the same case I make for Blake Trinan too. They play in a lot of those. You know, Eno wrote about the low run environment games, where they're always up or down a run kind of thing. Sure, it's led to a lot of save opportunities for Colomay. Absolutely, yet there, that's there how he led some, last uh, year. Yeah, and there was there, I mean, there was some there's some concerns in that stat line, obviously, but that's why it's always it's you know, do I pay full freight for for a uh, a Chapman because he's the Yankees are going to be on this great team, or do yes. I go buy the the, the Trinan and the Colome, or especially Trinan because you know he's going to play for a team that's right around five hundred, and we saw it way back in the day when Brian Harvey was saving forty five games for a bad Marlins team. You know, I like just, Trinan. If they're, if they're blowing dudes out. Sometimes those saves aren't there. I, I'm and, uh, sure. No? I'm sh- well. The the fact of it is, though, the best teams still get the most save opportunities because they win the most games. And so, blowout or not, you know, a strong offense or not, you still want the guys on the best teams. That doesn't mean you shy away from the guys on the mid level teams. And the Tampa Bay Rays did give Colme a bunch of chances last year. I do think that Fino had his druthers and and could rearrange some things at the same dollar values. He would take Trinan at twelve over Green at twelve million times out of a million because he loves Blake Trinan and I'm sure he's pretty meh on Shane Green so I'm sure there were some auction dynamics there that led to that but yeah as far as the the Andrea staff I think they got I think they these two teams got basically the same staff and and just with different names uh, but same like levels of upside and stuff you know I think 
the twenty the twenty dollar Diaz versus Diaz Green versus Colome uh, Parker. I think that's advantage uh, Fangraphs. And then you look at like Otani Duffy Fulmer versus Barrios Sanchez Hamels. I think that's advantage Fangraphs too. So. Uh, and then maybe the back end is where is where she catches up, but it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight between those two. You just you she's gonna have that trouble so getting wins on that team, for sure. I think that's wins it. are gonna that's be true. An interesting and, category at large this year, just because we continue to move more and more toward the bullpens. And, and I'm a big you know, Davinsky fan, big Brad Peacock fan, and what they can do, especially in yeah. AL only. But you know that that is banking that Jose Barrios is gonna win a lot of games. Agreed. Exactly. Yeah, I'm that's... only stepping on you guys, only to say I have to step out of this. So if people are like, "Hey, where the hell Colette go on the rest of this?" I have to get lost and go pick up one of my kids. So okay. uh, peace out, folks. Uh, we will. Uh, I'll talk to you guys over the weekend. Thanks for and, having me. Uh, sorry we to be talk. rude and jet out mid time. No, no, no problem. Look forward to listening to the rest of it. All right, peace. All right, see you guys. All right, J- Justin, we'll bring it on home. Let's go ahead and, and move off our. Well, let's give a final summation. What do you think of their team in relation to the rest of it? Do you think they put together a, a contender here? I think they did. I mean, I think there, there's no team this year that really stands out to me as a powerhouse. Um, I, I would agree with that. There, there's there's one team in particular that I'm really interested to see how it kind of plays out. Uh, that'd be Ray Flowers' team. Is there any chance that you just jumped on your segue and moved right over to our next topic on the topic sheet? Because we got to talk a little bit about Ray Flowers. Uh, he took a, he he had a gambit, if you will. He 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 had a strategy in place here, and I don't know if it was a strategy going in. In fact, I think in fact I think it wasn't based on some interviews that he did with the group. But basically, what he did was he bought up free agents, and he's hoping to strike it rich. Now, when you do a draft this early, well, first off, even doing the draft this early, I think there's been times where it's actually been on the calendar at the end of February. It's still never been like this because this is the craziest uh, free agency period that we've ever had. There's usually a couple guys, but there's never this many of note who are available. Now, the reason that it might have been a strategy is because apparently he had emailed out before the week started about, hey, what's the situation on these guys? If we get them and they don't sign, can we get like half the fab, you know, uh, half the uh, money back as fab or something? It was struck down, but maybe that did not deter him because he continued to power forward. And Ray Flowers ended up with Carlos Gonzalez at $6, um, Jake Arrieta at $6, Greg Holland at $5. So he put $17. Did I miss anybody? Was there four? I thought there was four. I think there was four. Let's see. Luke Roy. Uh, oh, Luke Roy. Yep. Luke Roy would be the fourth at 7 bucks. So what is that? Seven, 24 six, bucks. Six, 24 bucks he put into free agents. And I don't know. Have any of them been rumored to AL teams? Maybe Cargo a little bit into the AL because people think he should be DHing anyway. But uh, he went for it. Would you do something like this? Uh, kind of shoot for the shoot for the moon and go for four free agents when you have no idea where they go and if they don't land in the the league, you know, it's one thing to do it in mixed. And if they don't land where you want, you're like, eh, they could still, you know, their talent could still win out. But this is a win or lose situation. They either land in the AL and you get them, or they don't, and it's it's a cut. You got to replace them. 
I, I did this exact same thing in the CBSAL on the auction a few weeks ago. Oh, I, yeah, I think I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then didn't so, you strike it rich though, right yeah, away? Yeah, I got uh, JD Martinez and Carlos Gomez both signed. So two See, of my four have already signed. And then who are the other two you got? Uh, you no, Luke Roy oh. and uh, Melky Cabrera. See, one of them you didn't really take a risk. I mean, you did, but you didn't because JD Martinez was heavily, heavily rumored. But but you did you did still have to. But I spent a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I spent seventeen bucks on. He was more expensive, and he still could have gone back to Arizona. Like it wasn't guaranteed, but it was certainly more stable. But you also, uh, like you said, yeah, you paid ten more dollars than any of Ray's for that stability. So I guess when when you scale it, that makes sense. Um, But I'm just saying, like, the crazy thing was in the NL, Jake Arrieta went for sixteen. So that tells you where the rumors are leaning right now. So it would be an upset if he landed that one. And frankly, if you if you could pick out of the four, isn't that the one you would want to land? I mean, I guess, I mean, Holland would be nice to land, and there have been rumors I that he... I don't think he'll close in the AL. He could. Where? Uh, maybe not, yeah. Like, I know, that's... that's the thing. Angels like, have been rumored to him. That would, okay, I would like that one, because I still th- he could win that job, especially if they pony up. And if they ended up like going above the luxury tax, they're like, well, we better get our money's worth here and put him in a prominent role. We can't just be having him be a seventh inning guy. He he you know, needs he needs someone to get hurt really really fast. Yeah, he does, which is a terrible thing to root for. But uh, we're not rooting for it. He is. So blame Greg Greg Holland. You yeah, dick. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But he, but especially for the AL to close somewhere like he would need a situation like that to arise. We're not saying that that's what we want. Uh, but that's kind of what he would need to to really see something happen for him. And then Lucroy, I don't see any Lucroy rumors. I'm not sure Lucroy exists anymore. He may have gone the way of Tom. How Murphy. crazy Tom, is Tom. that? That I mean, we're talking about a guy yeah. who was like a top three catcher coming into last year, right? Was was three little... years? Yeah, because he rebounded. Yeah, I mean, I, I took him in uh, head to head for for Stefania Bell. Sorry about that. Uh, Way to go! Way to sabotage Stefania's team. Jeez, what'd she ever do to you? Um, no, it's it's crazy how there's like no rumors or anything. And there's teams that could use dry. a catcher. I mean, it's not like it's not like catcher is like that easy of a position in regular Major League Baseball to have consistency at. The idea True. that he can't find a job anywhere is well, just insane. The weird thing is there are not a ton of like wide open ones. And so you know what would be maybe smart? Maybe. I don't know. It would require spending more than like $8, so they probably wouldn't want to do it. But get your haul for JT Real Muto and then Florida or Miami ponies up there and with the idea that they could trade him anyway. Well, I mean, you and know, like – Rebuild his value and trade him as well. Like the Mets, like – I, you know, DRNO is always injured. I'm with you on that. I don't like Travis DRNO, but maybe they, maybe they're thinking that they like Pulowacki maybe too much, and he's out of options, I guess. So, yeah. uh, like, but there's got to be a major league team that can use Jonathan yeah. Lucroy. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Wells a little poisoned with Cleveland because he he had the audacity <laughs> to think about himself, um, and they they do like Roberto Perez and Young Gomes. It's a defensive combo, but uh, I mean maybe. Houston was in the market for JT Romuto at one point, so maybe they could use him. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it, it's just crazy that there's really no rumors. Yeah, I haven't heard regarding, anything regarding him. So let, let's just run down. We're not going to go position by position on Ray's team, but I'll give Ray's entire team. By the way, he did cover the Lucroy one because that one would be probably the toughest to fill. 
It, no, it definitely would be because you're talking about 24 catchers already gone off the board. So he has Christian Vasquez at his utility along with Russell Martin. So he's got Lucroy, seven, Martin, six, Chris Davis with the C12 at first, uh, Devon Travis, six at second, Marcus Simeon, 16 at short, Josh Donaldson, 29 at third, Eduardo Nunez, 19 at middle. And uh, Young Garvis Salarte, 14 at corner. Wow, that's pricey. And then Vasquez at five. Outfield is Springer, 29. Bradley Zimmer, 16. Cargo, six. Denard Span, five. Eloy Jimenez, four. And then the rotation is Garrett Cole, 21. Dylan Bundy, 13. Andrew Miller, 11. Marcus Stroman, 11. Addison Reed, seven. Fernando Rodney, seven. So $14 for all of the uh, twins saves. Arietta six. Holland, five. Leak, five. And then notables on his uh, reserve roster, Jake Bowers, Kyle Tucker, Ledmus Diaz. He also went with Lackey. Isn't he unsigned, too? Yeah, he did. Did he? I didn't even so, see Lackey. Oh, he took him so in the reserve. For another, even in the reserves, he was going for guys. And uh, he's got Chris Tillman. So I guess Tillman will fill in uh, if Arietta doesn't land, which, oof, that is rough. Uh, but but he also spiked, you know, he has Kyle Tucker too, so maybe he could spike something there and, uh, you know, tr- trade out of that and have a little bit of surplus in the outfield to kind of fill those holes. So seeing the gambit and then seeing the team as a whole, what you think about well, how Ray Flowers did? Uh, I mean, he just doubled down on the upside, and I, I kind of love it. I honestly do. Like, I love Marcus Simeon. I love Josh Donaldson. I love Springer and Zimmer uh, and, and you know, the Eloy Jimenez and Kyle Tucker buys. Uh, there's a lot of boomer bust, but, I mean, you're this is a league like you're playing to win. And I don't necessarily yeah. know how... Um, uh, how helpful a team like this is to the average person out there, you know, who's like paying attention and going, you know. Here's the thing. These aren't like I love them. I'm not trying to shade them. You should listen. They're they're enjoyable. They're not helpful at all to take into your draft because the auction dynamics make every auction super unique. You can maybe get something off of the top like 15 guys like in terms of like the guys and that's only order that they come out not even the top 15 values because you still don't even know somebody could go eight dollars more than he was because three teams had money and they put out a bidding war for like neil walker now neil walker wasn't that guy he went for two dollars i was just trying to make up a guy who normally wouldn't be expensive so i don't think you really gain anything that you're going to take in except um something that jason does i wonder if he'll write it up for roto world or excuse me roto wire where he like kind of looks at like the closer value of each of each league or like a positional breakdown. Like you can do stuff at the positional level perhaps, but it's really hard to take much away from individual dollar values. Like don't go in thinking, well, well I'm going to get Otani at 18 too. First off, if he has a couple more starts before your draft and strikes out a ton of guys, that's our, you know, that's going to add dollars to it left and right. And secondly, I still think that 20 is kind of the entry price because I think that, Public leagues are going to be a little bit more excited. I think the industry was just being kind of super cautious. Yeah, I I, I don't see Otani. You know, I mean, you you go and look at uh, the guys. My guys over Friends of Fantasy Benefits are doing an ADP of all the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, um, mm-hmm. and Otani's max pick in that in all thirteen leagues is eighty first. Wow! So not even as late as I've yeah, been his, getting. His min pick is forty four, and that was in my wow. league. Wow. Dang, forty-four. If you want to pull up your team, we can we can update our teams at the end here after we talk a little NL. Um, oh, but I don't know if I put you on the spot because I don't know if you if you saw this on the sheet or not. Did you have a favorite one dollar buy in AL? 
Ooh, um, I did not see the sheet, but why don't you tell me yours and I will find one. Teoscar Hernandez for sure. I thought that was a nice little uh, little play there by Andrew Lamont because I thought he'd go for more than a dollar, even with the two roadblocks that came in and Curtis Granderson and Randall Grichuk. I just really liked Teoscar. I was super geeked on him coming into the uh, draft season, and then they they made those two moves, which kind of effectively blocked him off. And that's all right. He was not like a super finished product anyway that like guaranteed has to be in the lineup. But Granderson's 37. Kendrick Morales, their, their DH is 35. Grichuk's been demoted in each of the last two years. So he's going to get his opportunity. And at a dollar, I think he has an easy capability to pay off. So that was definitely my favorite uh, one dollar scoop in the AL side. Did did you did you find one that you liked? I found a number of them actually. There's some decent one dollar scoops. Uh, I got to nail you down on one though. Okay, um, if I'm gonna go one, uh, when we had Nick Pollock on, he really sold me on Joe Biagini, and I know they okay. I know they signed. Uh, some bomb to fill out the back end. Uh, oh, Jaime Garcia. Yeah, but he'll be injured by May, anyways. Well, um, and uh, Stroman's dealing with a little. Mm-hmm. By the way, that eleven dollars Stroman price, that seems pretty low. So that's got to be some major concern about the shoulder, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think people people overreact in these leagues, you know. And uh, I mean, I, I, where do you think Stroman would have gone for sixteen, seventeen? So. It, it, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, no. Someone got who? Who had Stroman? Um, who got the Let's discount? See. It on was Ray's team, wasn't it? I think yeah, I it was Ray. Ray's, yeah. yeah. So Ray got a nice little little boon there uh, oh, to go surprising. with all of his. Uh, it just fit the uh, the gamble. And I like it because he paired he paired it with Garrett Cole and Dylan Bundy. You know, guys mm-hmm. we all like. Um, so, uh, but uh, of course, I've just clicked out. Yeah, I'll go Joe Biagini. I think there's a chance he will get. Uh, a number of starts. Either Jaime Garcia doesn't work out. You know, we we had injury issues uh, last year with uh, with Aaron Sanchez. Um, Jay Happ's not always healthy. You know, they could always uh, um, you know transition Estrada out of the the rotation if he has awful struggles. Though I, I kind of think he's a rebound guy for me. Um, so I think I think Biagini's going to get his starts. Um, and one dollar for him, I think, is a really nice buy by Colton the Wolfman. Absolutely, um, and you know, like I said, not a ton of stability uh, in there right now. You mentioned Jaime Garcia, Stroman has a little bit of uh, scare there, so Biagini, a nice buck, could could work out well for them. Let's talk about a few NL factors. We're not going to break down any of the teams there because we are not uh, we are not represented in that league. Although we do love we do love all the participants. But uh, there's no team to break down top to bottom. So a couple things. Uh, first thing that jumped out to me was uh, Dalton Del Dons. He, he had a gambit as well. There's a gambit in each league. And uh, his gambit was to go pitching heavy. And I mean Whoa. Heavy. I have not he, seen his team until this moment. And he went <laughs> triple aces and Jansen. Clayton Kershaw, 38. Noah Syndergaard, 29. Steven Strasburg, 28. Kenley Jansen, 26. And like, it's not like uh, his second closer, Mark Melanson, was cheap either. 11 bucks. That's not, you know, that's that's another little investment, uh, solid investment. And then close it off with with cheap for sure. Brandon McCarthy, two. Ty Block, Matt Strom, Vince Velasquez, a buck a piece. So that was his gambit. Let me give you the offense too, just to put a little context with it. Catchers, Hedges, and Ionetta for eight a piece. Brandon Belt, 15. Dilson Herrera, 1. Trevor Story, 21. Michael Franco, 15. Eric Sogard, 1. 
Dom Smith, one outfielder, uh, Billy Hamilton, 26, Jock Peterson, 12, Austin Jackson, two, uh, Gerard Dyson, six, Raimel Tapia, three, and Yasmani Tomas, one. So notice the top offensive player there is Billy Hamilton at 26. So he also got some high-end speed to go with all that high-end pitching. He also got a big power guy in Trevor Story who could spike big because he also has some speed as well. So it looked like he attacked high-end pitching and then basically speed because he got Gerard Dyson as well. Um, what do you think of Dalton Del Don's team with this? This is a gambit, man. I like I like people that try things and put up put up uh, attempts to do something different. What do you think of this? Ooh, man. Um, if I'm doing the math right, he spent 137 dollars on pitching. Um, I I don't mind the attempt. I actually really like the strategy. I think he messed up the end game of it. If you do something like this, then to me, you have such an offensive deficiency. You need to put really, really high upside reserve offensive players on your team. And he didn't do that. Like, he, he spent four of his reserve picks on pitching, which, like, you just spent $137 why, why on would pitching. You get any pitchers. No, you, you've got to, you know, maybe you get one just to have, you know, because you got, you know, three guys with serious injury concerns in uh, Strom, uh, Velasquez, and Brendan McCarthy towards the back end. And obviously you have Syndergaard and Strasburg and Kershaw who all have injury concerns. So I see why he wanted to back him up. But if you're going to go all in on pitching, you got to just go on all in on pitching. And he should have put high upside uh, minor leaguers that have a chance to come up at some point on the reserve list on offense. That way he can fill in the deficiencies because right now the offense – is a bit pitiful. I, I I like the idea though. The, the the thought process is there. I just don't know if he executed it right. I think that's completely fair. And again, I like when guys try different things and 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 see if they can make something work. The triple ace with the with the with the ace reliever too. I I like it. I really do. Um, and and then the speed component I liked as well. So we'll see how it works. I do think the reserve could have been handled a little bit differently, but it's also a reserve round in a 12-team league. Might not have had as much flexibility on it as as maybe we we want to believe. But I'm also looking at like Lu- Luis Urias, Alex Verdugo. If these are in order, then I'm looking at those guys taken a little bit later. I would have I would have taken Andrew Tolles if, they, if this Quinn. is in order. Brendan Rodgers, if these are in order and those guys actually went in the last round, then he should have had at least two of them. In in our opinion, like, and I'm not saying you you agree with those exact two guys, but that no, I, I totally, Riley, you know, I totally um, do. I th- I think you know, uh, if you're good, if you're gonna do this, you know, this is a, I'm going against the grain. Um, I just don't get the four pitchers. Yeah, I don't get the four pitchers at the end. I'm so confused by that. Harrison Bader, well, not, he might not have a chance at Harrison Bader, depending on what order it went. He was a first-round pick, but that would have been a nice one. And then the other ones we named, because even the, a Carson the, Kelly, who's a catcher. The problem I, I with know. this strategy and the reason why people don't spend as much money, if not more money, on pitching is hitting, is it leaves with you leaves you with a ton of holes in your offense, and you can't like go and trade Kershaw for four players. No one's going to do that in NL. No. Um, no, so like you need can't. to be able to find you know fill those holes other places and your reserve list is the place to go ahead and do it. So I mean, you know, he could have gotten a, a Brennan Rogers or an Andrew Tolls or you know a, a Sierra or a Roman Quinn um, and and put them on his reserve list and then you know if two of them pop now you've got a real contender 
or a runaway team. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. So I'm going to be following it. I'm really interested to see how it goes. He, he appears weekly on the Roto-Wire show on Sirius XM, and I love listening to that. So uh, I know they'll be updating that and, and see what he does. And I'm eager to hear what uh, Jeff and Chris say to him about the team and see if they see anything similarly to how we've seen it because uh, definitely the pieces of something there, but I, I would have approached the, uh, the back end a little bit differently. Trey Turner was the highest NL guy at $43. That surprised me a little bit. I'm not sure who I expected it to be. Frankly, because I I went looking and I was like, oh, it wasn't, and then I couldn't fill in the blank because I don't necessarily think it had to be Harper. He went thirty six. Goldschmidt, um, you know, Kershaw's not there the anymore. Thirty eight. Yeah, everyone's freaking out over over Goldie. He was down at thirty five, down relatively speaking, thirty two for Votto. Um, so again, you know, once I once I kind of stepped back, I was like. Yeah, I guess there's not anybody that I really uh, 38 for uh, Arenado, so he was the second most tied for the second most with with Kershaw at 38, and so you look at Turner, he was an early one for sure. I think he might have actually been the very first guy. Ambrosius and and Sean Child got him. What'd you think of Trey Turner at 43 bucks as the top guy in the NL? Who? Um, I don't I don't know if I could do 43 bucks, but I you know I mean. That just seems a little rich, especially with Aaron Auto going for thirty eight. I think you said, yeah. So like that, yeah. to me, like I, I'd rather spend the or save the five bucks and, and get get Aaron Auto. Obviously, you can't. You know that may have been in hindsight. I, I wasn't able to watch the uh, the the NL one as it was going and stuff, so I don't know who came out first. Um, but that is that's an all in kind of moment right there, and especially pairing him with a Goldschmidt. Um, you know, your your season relies heavily on those two guys. Uh, and I just think he's for me he's more of a thirty he's more of a thirty eight, thirty seven, thirty six dollar player. Uh I just don't think I, I just wanna know was Derek Carty tied to a chair during the Kershaw <laughs> bidding? I think he even threw him out and didn't get him. If I recall correctly, he also threw him out. So I don't I don't know. I just, you know, I'm um, so used to him getting Kershaw at forty two yeah. bucks, forty three bucks. So I just does that does that give you pause that that he wouldn't do that? Um, is that, is that is that an indicator of anything in your estimation? No, I you know maybe he just was tired of doing the same thing every year, wanted to try something else out. I, I kind of like what, what he, he did, did what, with what his did pitching staff. Oh, you ended up with Grom and Quintana. Quintana, so you get two guys based almost for the cost of. Uh, of Kershaw, and I can definitely get behind that. Nicholas Musgrove, had, Walker Bueller, Alex Reyes, Reyes, Stephen Matz, really high upside to go with the two stability guys up front, the two stabi- stability aces. Too. And they went six, six straight guys on the reserve, reserve list are pitchers, all pitching: Kyle Freeland, Luis Perdomo, Dylan Peters, Clayton Richard, Antonio Senzatella, and Zach Wheeler. Interesting, very interesting. Now uh, for the NL. Uh, since we aren't covering a full team here, I'm just going to talk about a couple other prices that uh, are of interest to this podcast. Uh, Ozzy Albies went for $17 to uh, Howard Bender. You know, Howard Bender uh, consistently makes bad decisions just in, in general. He's just, you know. Hired me, not, you know. Yeah, yeah that's, what I'm ta- that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, the guy does not know what he's doing at all. Howard, I hope you're listening, okay? I'm not for, I hope I see you a couple weeks. Is he in tout? I yeah, he's in our league in yeah. tout. Oh, God, I'm going to kill him. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. You'll never get Ozzy Albies at 17 in tout. Um, it just it will not happen. I will bid you up on every player. I throw him out at forty bucks and just freeze 40. the room. 
Freeze the room right there. No, uh, honestly, looking at Howard's team, I really like I like Howard's Albies. team a lot. And uh, seventeen bucks for Albies, I think, is a perfectly fair price. And NL only, what do you think? Yeah, I think the, I'm actually considering his hype right now. I'm, you know, because I, I think, and we'll we'll talk about this on Thursday when we uh, we do the the middle infielders pod. But uh, I'm a little worried that I'm not going to get enough shares of Ozzy Albies, considering what his his ADP numbers are looking like. Uh, Did you see what I paid for him in in were, the were invitation? You, were you the high guy? Were you seventy five? That's me. Oh yeah. Oh god, just just totally screwing up the ADP there with the high pick yeah. of seventy five. Um, Guess who I consulted before making that pick? Eno. Yes. <laughs> and was he drunk I... in Phoenix? No, he was. He's just like, it's. It, this is your chance, and I was like, yeah, you're right, because it is the last. That's the thing, though. It was the last chance. I wasn't going to get him again. And um, guess who he almost got me to take along with him? Oh God! Um... I took a pitcher, and I was. It's another pitcher. So let's see another pitcher who would have gone. Oh, Luis Castillo. Yes, I took Luis Castillo. How crazy is that? What if I'd have gone Albie's Castillo? Like, be more on the nose, Paul. But I thought it was a little. I can't. I couldn't take him above price. I just couldn't. But uh, transitioning then, Castillo went for sixteen dollars to uh, Brian Walton of Creative Sports. Again, I think a pretty fair price. Yeah, again, considering the hype, the hype. Yeah, I mean, it just to me like that doesn't screaming overpay and i would assume especially you know seeing some of the prices on starting pitching you know you 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 know it just i actually like that price for luis castillo it's it's marketing him uh in the same neighborhood as jeff samarja and uh john lester i'll take i'll take that upside over those guys and i love you know how much i love jeff samarja um absolutely you know but the upside alone for a buck cheaper than Samarja, yeah, in, in, in an NL only that no one cares who finishes second, give that one to me every day. Especially when you got Granky to, mm-hmm. to set your table, and then Chase Anderson, Michael Waka, and Luis Gohara at seven, oh, and who's he got that? That's the Brian Holland, Walton. Brian Walton absolutely crushed his Brian's pitching stuff. Brian's an absolute beast. He's he's a he's a freaking um, an assassin mm-hmm. because he's pretty quiet. He'll bust off a one liner every once. I like in a his while. offense too. This focused. is my favorite team. In the NL. Damn good player, too. Like, you know, known as a Cardinals guy, so you might only think, like, oh, he's only going to be in on Cardinals. No, 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 no. This guy knows the game in and out. You do not want to tangle uh, with Brian Walton. Very nice guy, but uh, he, he's he's out there for blood on the uh, fantasy gridiron, as it were, even though this is. We, we, we call him uh, Judge Walton on, on the Tout Wars oh, Hour. He comes yes. on once a month and he answers rules, questions. Um, or because well, he's decisive too. Like that, that's the thing. He's, he is the kind of guy that could could be a fantasy judge and could could be kind of a commissioner of leagues, even that he wasn't in, or even ones that he was in. Because I, I would always feel like he's going to give a straight ruling, even if it's to his disadvantage on something, um, because he's 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 concerned about it being straight up. And I'm not saying that others wouldn't be. You just get that general respect feeling out of Brian. And then once you see him play, once you see him put a t- team like this together, you understand that he's out for blood and, and it's hard not to respect. It. I'm going to run down the team since we both are gushing over it so much. Weeders and vote uh, for five and three respectively. Which Rizzo's are nice buys. 
I, I eight bucks for those two, like two real catchers. Sign me up. I like it. Uh, Thirty-two bucks for Rizzo, Neil Walker for four, Asdrubal Cabrera for fifteen, Eugenio Suarez twenty-one, Adam Frazier two, Ernan Perez four, Chase Headley two. That's his utility. And then the outfield: Pollock twenty-three, Eaton twenty-one, Dahl twelve, Brinson eleven, and Thames uh, sixteen. So. Up and down, you know, Rizzo's the only superstar, and then a bunch, and, and same with Granky on the pitching end, and then a bunch of solid stuff. And then the rest of the pitching with Granky and Castillo is uh, Chase Anderson, nine, Waka, eight, Gohara, seven, uh, Newcomb, two, Woodruff, two, and then Brandon Morrow, 14, and Greg Holland, three. So he's trying to spike something there, maybe with his own beloved Cardinals, because he knows that they have Craig, uh, Luke Gregerson, not necessarily the most trustworthy. And if they, they've been rumored to Holland more than anybody, which is, not that many rumors. Uh, so up and down that team is really sharp as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I think he did a really good job of of really going after some upside, but also giving himself some really safe floors too. I mean, Adam Frazier at two bucks. Adam Frazier is going to play. He's not going to be full-time, but he's going to get at bats in, in that Pittsburgh uh, offense. Um, and he is a real speed that Hernan Perez, you know, he just doesn't go away. They They add people. They subtract people. But Hernan Perez always gets his stolen bases, always gets his uh, at-bats. Um, you know, I don't even love A.J. Pollock, uh, or actually I don't really like A.J. Pollock a whole lot, but, um, you know, he put together a really nice upside uh, uh, outfield with David Dahl and Lewis uh, Brinson. I, yep. I love what he did. Yeah, I, I do too, and like I'm, I'm with you on Pollock. I think we discussed it on the outfield episode. But 23 bucks is not even like some major tax when Starling Marte is seven dollars more. And I do like Marte, but at those two prices, I think I would actually shift all the way over to Pollock at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think what he did, what he did there was really nice. Brian's team is nice. Another interesting name of note: Jeff Erickson, 27 dollars for Tommy Pham. Definitely full price, but I, I like believe it. in Pham's talent. I like it too. I think we, we're, we're both fam guys. I understand the risks. I'm willing to take those risks because the skills are there. And I've, you know, I've always said when the skills are in place and I'm just kind of hoping on, on health, yeah, it's risky and it can be scary, but I'm going to do it. I'm down for that. I also like that he, he kind of doubled up on the upside of Keon Broxton uh, yeah, at four yeah, bucks. Absolutely. You know, it's like, hey, give me all the power speed guys I can well, find. Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um, you know, got uh, Cody Bellinger is his, is his superstar on offense. and But then if he is a batting average flop, then he protected it with Yadi Molina, Cesar Hernandez, Eric Hosmer. I mean, Justin can, Turner. I mean, yeah, he can totally handle hell. Even Martin Prado, the one thing he does is hit for average. So even if Buxton, or excuse me, Broxton, Pham, and Bellinger are only kind of give you the power, and two of them will give speed. I know Bellinger will give a little bit, but you kind of get impact speed from Pham and Broxton. Even if they all do that with like 245 averages, he's covered. Like he can afford that. Uh, so I like the way he set up his team uh, offensively. I thought that that was pretty good. I'm looking up and down. I don't see too many other names that I definitely want to point out. Um, you know, we can go through a whole bunch. Oh, one other one that definitely stood out Reese Hoskins, 28 bucks. Again, full freight. You already know I'm not that high on him at, as a top 50 pick. 28 bucks is pretty lofty when when Anthony Rizzo was $4 more. 
Um, and when Carlos Santana was $8 cheaper, although to the same team, interestingly enough, that was Eric Carabell, a Phillies fan. Um, so maybe he's got his finger on the pulse there, seeing Hoskins a little bit more and, and fully believes it. Also got Scott Kingery at eight. He's going to have fun watching his team this year. Um, I love Scott Kingery, though. And it, oh, I like I'm really well. bummed right now that he's just destroying spring training because if this if this auction had, had to, happened two weeks ago, there's no way he goes for eight bucks. No, but now like you're you're gonna have to pay you're gonna have to actually pay for Scott Kingery a little bit, um, but absolutely love the skill set and I think he'll be up fairly early. Yeah, I I have to agree with you there. Any names that stood out to you before we give our our one dollar guys? Who? Uh, no real discount on some of the Arizona players like I thought there would be. Steven Zuza goes for uh, eighteen bucks. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt for thirty five. Uh, Lamb, uh, you said 19? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought there would be a bigger discount, especially with a guy like Derek Carty who was in this draft. Um, you know, I figured he would just have a sign that says no humidor, you know, <laughs> all, all just wrapped around his neck. Um, Maybe he did. Maybe he was he was out on them. And, uh, and everyone else was like, okay, well, he got Peralta at 14, though, David Peralta. So that's that's kind of market value. I, don't, I, I agree with you. They didn't really go down any cheaper. Um, speaking of a guy that we talked about on the outfield show that isn't really going for a discount at all, and didn't here as well to Lenny Melnick, Ian Desmond, twenty six bucks. Like we're we're all paying full freight. I mean, he went two dollars more than Yasiel Puig, and I'm a Desmond guy. I really am. But it is coming to my attention. It's like very clear that we're just not really getting. It seems that like much that a is a common game. theme that like we're not getting the discounts that we thought we would get on Ian Desmond, on Madison Bumgarner, on Noah Syndergaard. Um, and I don't necessarily know why this is, but it's... Because there's nowhere else to go with the money, I think. Because these skill sets are, are strong enough that I, I think... I think it's also maybe like people realize how... that Yeah, the, the, the previous injury... Per, best predicts future injury thing is nice, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And so if there's a skill set in place, I still want to bet on it. Maybe just, you know, taking that to the, to the highest end of, of betting on teams. So I don't know. I think that, I think that's part of it. I I just think there aren't a lot of spots to go otherwise. Like, where are you going to spend the money? Yeah. I mean, I guess I just, I just can't. I can't pull the trigger myself, and like it is not to you know take away from you know uh, you know Greg Ambrosius who took Madison Bumgarner at thirty one or um, twenty nine to yeah, uh, Dalton. Mentioned. Yeah, like I, I you know especially in a league like this, you're you're taking your shot right, and with uh, and with Dalton's strategy, especially if just taking the top. Top, three of the For top sure. pitchers. Like I can't get over that. Thirty-eight dollar Kershaw, twenty-nine dollar Syndergaard, twenty-eight dollar Strasser. I gotta listen to what Dalton. If this was a plan, or if he just went, you know, these guys are going too cheap, and I need to price enforce, or you know, I'll make adjustments. Um, but it, it's an amazing strategy. I just, I just can't get over it. Actually, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm, I really can't wait to see how it pans out because. You know, fantasy can be kind of a copycat thing too. So if it really works out for them, then you can see some folks doing similar things next year. Uh, let's get to the one dollar buy. Did you have one that stood out for you here? Oh, uh, let's see. I I had one, and, and now I'm. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with someone that people probably don't know a ton about. 
Um, Dominic Leone. Uh, okay. You know, I think there's a real shot that he could emerge victorious after the first month with that Cardinals closing job. Uh, he's got elite stuff. I think Gregerson's going to get the first shot, but we've seen, you know, Gregerson cough that up before. So, um, yeah, he's never really, I mean, he's had one year where he was a true uh, full on closer. You know, and if we're going to bet on a guy like Keone Kella in Texas because he's got the greatest skills, give me the guy with the greatest skills in Dominic Leon. For sure. I think that's that's completely fair. Um, you know, I, I'll stick to one because I, I, I said let's let's stick to one. But there are definitely a, a handful here that are they're intriguing. Um, and I, I'm going to go with Amir Garrett. He's probably not my favorite, but he is my most intriguing because he is having a really baller spring right now. And I'm kind of I'm just eager to see if 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 this is something that's bubbling and 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 is actually going to be real or if it's just uh, beaten up on on spring folks because you know he got off to that big start last year. Amir Garrett did, and it was very clear that. It couldn't sustain as is. It's not that he couldn't get better and do it. Like his first three, it was only three starts, too. That was the thing. It was only three starts. Um, but it was definitely something that wasn't quite as good as a 183 ERA suggested. I think he'd been facing a lot of lefties. And then once he faced kind of a righty heavy lineup in Milwaukee, he got clobbered. And uh, I remembered because it was kind of my uh, watch out of the day thing for a DFS and. Thankfully, it worked, so I got some kudos, and I was like, hey, guys, just remember that pick all year. It's April. I win. Paul is a genius. Don't remember any of the other picks the rest of the year. I made one good call in April. Hooray. Uh, but, yeah, he got clobbered there. And, you know, then he bounced back for a couple more good ones. Then just got – it was either great or awful with Amir Garrett, and there was too much awful to really overcome uh, or to, you know, to, to overcome and, and make the great really be impactful. But he was a really high intrigue guy uh coming from college basketball you know he's he's older i think he's gonna be age 26 this year but because he played basketball he's he's kind of uh his arm isn't quite as old as he is so i think there's still people with with some pretty high hope for amir garrett um do you have can, any can, can i change mine actually yeah absolutely. i want to I give lenny melnick a shout out because i love the one dollar matt adams you know Dude, I, I love that too i you know, really do ryan zimmerman has it. no health history yep. um if Matt Adams becomes the everyday first baseman because of injury in Washington in that lineup, he could be an absolute monster. And there's no like even if he even if he just gets in on reserve duty for you know the majority of the year, I, there's no way he's not earning that dollar back. Nope, I I, I completely agree. So I'm 100 percent with you on that one. That is a good one. All right, let's wrap up and talk a little bit about our our uh, fantasy invitational teams thus far. First off, what round is your team in? Oh, God, I'm like in the slowest of slow drafts. Like, how do you do this to the guy who is running the ab- the, the entire tournament? This is absolute BS. Uh, what round are you in? Uh, tenth round. Okay, yeah, I'm in the 13th, and we're, almost, we're near the end of and the And you 13th, guys like had like one of the slower drafts, like, like, and we're three rounds behind you. Yeah, that's rough. Well, give us give us the team through 10 or 9 if you haven't picked in the 10th yet. Uh, I haven't picked in the 10th. So, My goodness. Uh, it's just it's absolutely atrocious. Um, I, I went uh, hitting first five rounds, Altuve, uh, D. Gordon, George Springer, Anthony Rendon, uh, and Edwin Encarcion. Uh, and then I mostly because I kept missing out on the pitching runs. And, I, and instead of reaching for a guy that I didn't really like, I just figured, you know, steer into the skid, keep getting offense, uh, and I'll, I'll dress either pitching through trades or I'll dress pitching later. 
And I, I started doing that in the sixth round with Luis Castillo, 89th overall, uh, one uh, close to the max pick in you know because his max pick was 90 so far in the in the mm-hmm. uh, Invitational. Paired him with Zach Godley uh, and, it. and Alex Wood. Um, you know I'm not a huge fan of that, but as your but, number three, yeah, and I got him in the ninth round to pick 100, 122. Also, yeah, that, that, Domingo Santana like in round eight, 119. I like that. I like that trio of, of pitching there. And, of course, your offense is, is stacked. Santana's going to get his playing time. I know it's a little dodgy right now, but I don't think the market's really reacting and, and shying away because they know like you're not you're just not going to bench a guy like that. Like uh, Eric Thames, he had one good month. and I, Oh, I, someone I just took Jeff Samarja. God damn it. Oh, no, there goes your pick. But you'll get the pick again by Thursday. That's all right. Um, for me so far, I uh, I opened, you know, Stud hitter, stud pitcher. I went Bryant Scherzer. That was a kind of a no-brainer. I didn't think Scherzer would be there, which it was great. Uh, I'm picking 15, by the way, so I kind of just I, I can make it look like he was a second rounder by just uh, flipping those picks. And then I went with um, with hitting now for for a little while. I went with Abreu in the third, Justin Upton in the fourth, and then Ozzy Albies in the fifth. Talked with Eno about it, you know, and um, obviously I knew I was going to get a favorable. Uh, outlook there asking him probably should have asked somebody a little bit more unbiased but I kind of just want to see what he said and like I told y'all you know he was saying Albies Castillo that's 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 totally the fan graphs sleeper in the bust picks right there I was like yeah I do not endorse this message I do not endorse David Price I'm taking David Price honestly I got I got no problem taking Albies there I I mean you know was probably like what how are they not gone in the third round how Albies is still there holy crap you're getting a four-round discount do it um, okay, so looking at who went after him, Chris Taylor, who I do like, but uh, you know, Albies I think has just as much upside, if not more. Rugnet Odor, same thing. I do like him. I think he's got the one I really considered was Murphy. Daniel Murphy went, um, and then Robinson Cano. Uh, so the two the two oldies, and even Odor, like I did, like all four of those guys that went in the sixth round. So like right after I picked, I picked Albies to close the fifth. And I, maybe I could have, I should have uh, fudged his so that he was a quote unquote sixth round pick and and switched him in price. But I don't care. I'm fine with it. Um, you know, all four of them have their merits. Taylor, o- Odor, Murphy, and Cano. I'm kind of surprised they went in that order. I would have thought maybe Murphy, o- Cano, Odor, Taylor, but they went they went the other way. Um, but I went I went for the guy that that I really wanted and. I knew he wasn't getting back to me. So that was my last opportunity. So I don't mind it too, considering the guys you've got after him. I feel like you got some good deals on a mediocre Yasel Puig. Um, and mediocre, according to Brad, Brad Johnson, (laughs) my goodness, imagine having the most generic name ever and calling other people mediocre. How dare you, Brad? How dare you? Uh, And Ian Happ. I I love the Ian Happ pick in, in round nine. So I was really happy with that. So I came back, uh, I went after I went Albie's Price. I went uh, Cody Allen, Yasiel Puig, and then Ian Happ, Garrett Richards, and then uh, Jonathan VR uh, oh, and Michael Fulmer. Wow, Fulmer in the twelfth. So I'm really happy with how this team's lining up so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting my gambles. I'm getting what I think is some stability with guys, and I'm really mixing things. Now I took my middle before my shortstop, but I I just love VR's upside at this point i was i was one of the clowns buying in last year in the second third round depending on where i was drafting 
and and so yeah, I got burned by he that. He just seemed so safe because he walked and he stole bases with the walks. Yes, like and I just thought well, I'm gonna get 35 sbs here, minimum. That's and this is one of those things like people like all the time look defense doesn't matter. Well, sometimes defense does matter because if he played yeah. if he played premium defense, uh, he never would have been taken out of the lineup. But Bingo. because he struggled and doesn't play good defense, like he is absolutely atrocious on defense. He he makes little league mistakes. Jonathan VR uh, not a sharp defender. No, and it, it's it's not like he doesn't have like the physical gifts. It just he just is not able to glove things, um, and he just makes silly mistakes. He's just you know, I don't I don't I don't play a lot of MLB the show, um, or I haven't played a lot of MLB the show. But like, do they have something called awareness like they do in Madden? Because, reaction okay because yeah and, and so he just won't even get to certain things that yeah he's that got like a guys, 15 reaction rating. Or, or on like a dive they do this thing it's a little cheesy but it's probably the only way they can do it so that all dives aren't the same. dives the wrong way they'll basically like slow him down so he'll do like these kind of like weird slow-mo dives <laughs> which is kind of a way to give poor reaction guys you know uh, and and on the other end like the the high-end guys they'll almost morph a little bit they'll almost dive like a little bit too well but it's like it's it's within the confines of a video game you know sometimes you yeah, just kind of have things it's like in the old bit. baseball video games where like a grounder would like be hit like right to the guy and it would just ball, bounce off of him like he's a hockey yep. goalie exactly like that is actual real life jonathan Villar on defense exactly and so but you know 11th round now on the buyback, I'm in. Yeah, uh, sure. I, I'm willing to take that shot there. So I wanted to get the premium speed. I've got speed mixed in. My premium speed to that point was, of course, Albies and then mix-ins from, from the Uptons. Who has 50 steel upside going after the 10th round? Exactly. And that's why I couldn't let him go another set of picks, even though I didn't necessarily need the middle. And I do like middle's depth. That's all right. I'll just jump in at shortstop and you know... You already know who I'm I, and we've already talked about him on the show. He may, his name might rhyme with Barkus Bemian, um, mm. but we'll see. We'll see if we'll see if he makes it back to me. And if not, I've got other guys. But I only pick here, and let's see, six picks. So. Yeah, I'm four picks away, and I'm going to talk about a guy that you and I both like uh, that rhymes with Blanco. Oh wait, God, <laughs> I hate I hate Gregor Blanco. <laughs> <laughs> You're finally going to get Greg Arblanco. Yes! How excited are you? Oh, man. Uh, no, no. Uh, as long as, you know, I, I figure by the time uh, this actually airs and people get through the hour and a half uh, to actually get to this point, uh, I'm, I'm going to take Gregory Polanco with my next pick. That'll be great. Uh, definitely like him. Definitely considered him in a few different spots. As long as I don't get sniped picking. again. Hopefully you don't get sniped. Yeah, I've been I've been all right. Like I've you know, there's been picks I've wanted that that have gone, but for the most part, I'm getting the guys I want, and I'm able to attack. And uh, you know, I know I know I went high on Albies. I'm fine with it. Like it's it's a gamble I'm willing to take. And I also am shooting for the stars a little bit here too. I like I want to win, and you know, get if he does have the breakout season, it's going to be pretty huge, and it can definitely be a fifth round value. So uh, so we'll see how it goes, and we'll keep updating every every. Once maybe we'll update again on the Thursday show with only the guys that we've gotten since then. So I don't we don't want to bore everybody with the whole team top to bottom. Hopefully, I'll have made two picks by then. At least, at least I'll have made like nine picks. We'll almost be wrapping up mine, and you'll be meandering into the uh, round in the corner into the thirteenth round. But uh, that's going to wrap us up. Talk a little labor there, and in uh, the Paul the Young extension, and unfortunately some sad news. But uh, all in all, good show. 
Justin, thanks for being with us. Jason, thanks for being with us. Even we miss you, you, Jason. Miss you, Jason. We'll talk to you next week. Justin, I'll talk to you in a few days. All right. Peace.